And so those of you who are joining us online, I want to say welcome, God bless you. We thank God for your lives and uh, I believe God that uh, as you are in your homes and various places and you'll be watching these recordings later on as well, God will be speaking to you in diverse ways in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to thank you, I want to thank God for those of you that have braced the storm, braced the snow and everything and have made it here. The Lord is your strength indeed. Uh, this is the duty of ministers. We are soldiers for Christ. As I was scraping my car today uh, to, to, to come here, scraping off the ice, and I was reminded in a flash over the four or five decades that I've been going to church, I've gone to church in different conditions. There was a time when I was in northern Nigeria in Kano, about this time, late, late part of the year, early part of the year, they have a terrible wind, the Hamatan dust, and you can hardly see the person who is 10 meters away from you. And I remember one day my father driving us to church in that kind of, we were going at 20 miles per hour for a journey of about um, 10 kilometers <laughs> in that kind of way. Because you can't see. And this is what, the 80s where, you know, the, the, there's no, if you hit anybody on your own. So you've got to be very careful. And I remember all that. I remember, I remember being in Greeley, Colorado with with about, you know, two feet of snow, three feet of snow coming out, trying to open our door, and we couldn't open our door to go out to service, and we had to push and push against the snow and push against the snow. The cars were buried. There's no way to try and drive those cars. And everything came back to me in a flash, journey of many, many years. It is good to praise the Lord, and we are privileged that God is helping us to truly have this time. So please stay safe. Continue to do everything you can to make sure that, um, you know, there are so many things that are working adversely against humanity today, but we've got to stay on the path of God's wisdom and his strength. By the grace of God, we've come to the fourth, which is the penultimate session of our five-part series on entering supernatural overflow. Entering supernatural overflow. This is one topic theme that God has given to us to start the year 2021 with, um, with, thank you, thank you very much. Can put it there. Thank you. That God has given to us to start the year 2021 with the potential of understudying the things that we need to do in walking in supernatural overflow. And the theme today is entering supernatural overflow by testimonies. You can see on our banner that we are on the fourth. We started with Thanksgiving, we are on praise. Uh, we started and then we went on praise and then we went to worship last week. And today we are looking at testimonies. Testimonies. So this fourth session is a focus on the power of testimonies. Now testimonies are things that we know. We know what testimonies are and why we should give them. But one thing I want us to know is that we underplay the power of testimonies many, many times in our believer world. And this is the purpose of this session, to highlight it one more time and to help us to engage with it as we ought to. You see, a testimony is basically a formal statement that is given by somebody who is a witness. In literal terms, a formal statement either made verbally or written down by somebody who is an eyewitness to something. So in the court of law, when a witness is called for to talk about a case or a matter, they would, and they, they, they feel that they are an eyewitness, they ask for their testimony. What did you see? What do you know? 
it must be. You, don't, you cannot be a witness if you have no testimony. Even if you are related to the person concerned in the case, if you have not witnessed anything, if you don't know anything, you cannot be a credible witness. So if they bring you to court, they would, they would talk on the basis for which they have brought you to be a witness. And this is what we must understand. The work of witnesses is to testify. Is to testify about a matter, about a person, about something, but much more about what they themselves have experienced, what they have engaged with. So as Christians, we know that we are witnesses for Christ. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the name that Jesus called us before he left and gave us the, the great commission was to be called witnesses. Look at that. Let's read Acts 1-8 together. Wherever you are, read it with me. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall be witnesses to me. And then three different categories. In Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the end of the earth. These are three different categories. Now we can interpret Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and uttermost part of the earth in different ways. We can look at them as our immediate geographical region, and then the wider, and then the widest. We can look at it in that way. But much more, it is more of our state. Jerusalem represents much more our state as the church. Witnesses to one another in the church keep experiencing and, ex and expounding the doings of God within the church. Then Judea and Samaria, if you look at Jesus Christ, he used to talk about Samaritans, Samari people from Samaria like foreigners, but they were always in search of God. So we can look at that as people who are religious around us. We can look at Judea and Samaria as people who are religious around us, and then we can look at the rest of the world as everybody else. So in every case, what it just meant, Jesus is saying, is that you will be witnesses to me. Of course, in the geographical context he was speaking there, that is well clear. Because the word must be preached to all creation. That's what he said to them. And to all nations. However, we must understand that it doesn't have to mean that, you know, we have to preach here today and in your lifetime, as you finish preaching from here, you have to go to London. After going to London, you go to Scotland. After going to Scotland, you go to France to conquer Europe. After conquering Europe, you have to go to India. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you have to achieve all that in your life before you know that you have uh, done the, the, the work of a witness. It's just for you to understand that there is, a, there is a hierarchy and there is a realm whereby we see ourselves as people in the body of Christ, as members of one another in, with one another in Jerusalem. Then Judea and Samaria representing those who worship God, in quote, or those who are religious around us, like it was, as I said, with the Samaritans that Jesus spoke to. Every time we testify, we must remember three things. We are to testify of his person. We are to testify of his gift of salvation in our lives. And then we are to testify of his works. Three things about him. The first testimony that we must be giving about Jesus, about him as his witnesses, is his person. We must be able to say him, talk about him as the son of God, who is God, according to John chapter 1 verse 1. We must be able to witness about him as the one who became flesh and dwelt amongst men. His person. Then we must testify that he is the one who died for us. 
we must be able to testify that he's the one who died for us, who gave himself for us. The Bible says greater man has, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. The Bible says in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. We must be able to testify that we are born again and saved today because he died for us. He gave himself for our sins and we became the righteousness of God in Christ. And then we must be able to testify of his works. You see, many of us testify of his works from time to time. We talk about that is what he's doing for us, how he's provided for us, how he's delivered us, how he's promoted us. Those are his works, the supernatural things that we realize around us about the doings of God. We must be able to testify. So our testimonies must be verbalized. Testimonies must be verbalized. You don't give a testimony in your heart to the Lord. You can sing praises to the Lord in your heart. You can sing melodies. You can sing thanks. You can do the things of thanksgiving, praise, worship. You can do them in your heart, and you can do them openly. It's both, con- it's both acceptable. I believe following the last three sessions, you can understand that. You can praise on by yourself. You can praise in the congregation. You can praise in the beauty of his holiness in your privacy. You can do all that. But you cannot testify in your privacy. Testimonies are meant to be broadcast. They are meant to be said to at least one more year apart from you. So we must understand that the power in the testimony is only activated when we use it as it is meant to be used. We have to understand this because many people are not sharing testimonies in the body of Christ today because they feel that once I can say to, Lord, to the Lord, Lord, I thank you that you gave me this. I thank you that you, you gave me my salvation. I thank you that you, you, I, I am saved. I thank you that you have blessed me this way. I thank you that you are protecting me from the pandemic. And they said that to God. What they have done is they think they have testified. They have not testified. They have only given thanks. If you want that joy to truly establish the supernatural overflow that comes by testimony, somebody else must hear it, not just God and you. Another human being must hear it. Your brethren in Jerusalem must hear it. You must witness it to your brethren in Jerusalem. You must witness it to those who are in Judea and Samaria. You must witness it to those who are in the uttermost part of the earth. So to be good testifiers, therefore, we must be people who intentionally commit God's doings of salvation and physical blessings in our lives to memory. You must intentionally commit the doings of God to memory and be declaring them to others constantly. Psalm 103, verse 1 to verse 5 is very important. It said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Verse 2 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That means remember always his benefits. That takes an intentional recording. Using that, that is why he said, Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Using the power of the intellect in your soul to put to memory the doings of God. Many people are not observant of the doings of God. We take them for granted. People, many people don't even know when they got born again. 
Now, I know that for some of us, we were kind of born into Christian homes, and to be quite frank, the journey, the point we actually gave it up may be a bit hazy. But that does not take it away, that we don't know when we started to have a walk that was closest, that was clear that we've made a commitment to this journey on our own. We must know those. We must remember the doings of God. He said, forget not his benefits. Why? Verse 3 says, he forgives your iniquities. Number one, part of salvation. Remember the word salvation is sozo in Greek, which means salvation of new birth, salvation of physical healing, and salvation of deliverance. So every time you talk salvation, always remember it is about forgiveness, giving you new birth, and then physical healing, and then the deliverance from the works of darkness. He said he forgives all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases, all salvation. Verse 4 says, who redeems your life from destruction? That's the third part. He delivers us from destruction and crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Verse 5, he said, who satisfies your mouth? Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He redeems me from destruction and satisfies my mouth with good things. You know the meaning of that? Not just what goes into your mouth to feed you and to bless you, but also the things that comes out. He gives you more testimonies. When you take in and you are blessed and nourished, he also puts your mouth, he puts in your mouth good things to testify. He gives you testimonies all the time. That is what it means by he satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle's. Last week, I was talking about how powerful the eagle bird was. And it's so important for us to understand that Christians are people that are meant to be renewed. Very soon, you will see people who are 70 years old. They will look like they are 35 (laughs) because they have caught some secrets. Hallelujah. They have caught some secrets about, about how to keep being renewed supernaturally. Hallelujah. I was talking with somebody very recently and they told me that they had just turned 70. I said, wow. I said, I'm sure when many people meet you, they think you are just turning 50. And the person said to me, many times, many times. And I laughed. I said, that's how many people think I'm 35 when they see me as well. It's such a fine thing that the Bible says that when you know this God and you keep blessing him, he renews your years. He satisfies your mouth with good things and your youth is renewed like the eagles. I just want to encourage us. The ability to remember the doings of God is not a spiritual gift. Don't say, I like the way that man talks. He remembers everything God has done in his life. Every time I hear him, he will say 1990, 2005, and he will get it accurately. It's not a gift. He put it to memory and kept it there. The same way you learned quadratic formula, <laughs> x is equal to plus or minus, what was that, <laughs> that he tortured me in GSS, minus 4AC, I said, why are we always subtracting this 4AC, <laughs> all over two way, <laughs> the same way we memorize it and it's stuck to our lives forever, that's the same way you must be documenting the doings of God, go back to verse 2, forget not, forget not, Forget not. Psalm 103 verse 2. Forget not. It's a commandment. 
Forget not all, not some, all his benefits. So if you want to be an effective testifier, you have to develop your capacity to remember. If it means writing down, you write it down. I learned many years ago that if you tap me at any point, I, I, I could go back to as far back as 1975. At any point, if you wake me up, I can tell you at least one thing I remember that God did for me. 75, 76, 7, and if you want to try me after service, let's do it. <laughs> I will give you without thinking. I will just be telling you 1990, 1991, 92, 93, like that. I have them. I saved them up till this last 2020. Because it is a commandment that we must remember that we have benefits from him all the time. Now, how do we enjoy supernatural overflow with our testimonies? How do we enjoy this supernatural overflow with our testimonies? The first thing we must understand is that our testimonies must always be sincerely declared to the glory of God. This helps us to win souls. Many of us no longer talk about our salvation experience to people around us. And that is why we are less, we are winning souls less and less on the day. I'm talking about the believer generation of today, generally. We must understand that there is a place where God saved our lives, and it is the purpose for which he wants us to extend it to others, so that when they hear it also, they can have a knowledge of God, and they can also join us in the work of salvation. And it must be sincere. It is very important that when we are sharing our testimonies about, of our salvation, we are sincere about it. We are not hypocritical about it. We have an understanding that we were once sinners and now we are saved and Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law and we are very, very sincere about it. Psalm 9 verse 1 says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. Psalm 9 verse 1. Psalms 9 verse 1. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart, not part of it. I will not praise you partially. I will praise you with my whole heart, sincerely. He said, I will tell of how many of your marvelous works? All your marvelous works. This was what happened to the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. We read her story a lot. Last week we talked about her conversation with Jesus Christ when she was at the well, when she was met at the well, and Jesus Christ told her that, you know, she's got many husbands. Uh, she has had five husbands. When, when Jesus said to her, go and bring your husband. And she said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have talked right because you have had five. You have had five, and even the sixth one, the one you are with now, is not your husband. And the woman was taken aback that this must be a prophet, and so on and so forth. But that was her change point. Now, I want you to note that this woman got her salvation, but not the same way Nicodemus did. Not the same way Peter did. I've always said these things many times. We all have different experiences of salvation that we must know. Some of us had an individual encounter. Franklin Graham said one day he was about 23. A whole Franklin Graham, his father was known all over the world. Franklin Graham was not born again until he was almost 23 years old. Can you imagine that? A, a Billy Graham's son. <laughs> it's almost unthinkable. This is a man who will go to crusades and one million people will be gathered. And before you know it, 100,000 are coming out weeping, weeping, weeping. Then his own son was not born again. <laughs> the pastor that was in the church 
that, that uh, Billy Graham was, because he was a traveling evangelist, so he wasn't really pastoring a church, but the family the church that they were attending, the pastor was trying to witness to Franklin one day. In the process of trying to just be friends with him, he said, let's go uh, shoot dogs. These things they do, and shoot dogs, you know, with guns, with rifles. The pastor has never tried it. He just knew that the, he had that Franklin had interest in it. So he knew just to build friendship and try to witness to this great evangelist son, he went. He said the man, it was Franklin Graham himself telling, taking, talking this story. He said the man nearly shot himself in the leg because he didn't know how to handle a rifle. All because he wanted him to be born again. He said, but he never forgot the effort of that one man trying to do something that risky just because of his soul. But he said one day, just one day in his room, he just found himself weeping, weeping uncontrollably, and he knelt down. And today he runs the, the, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, as we know, uh, uh, worldwide, and the Samaritan Post as well. Very fairy man. He's never a friend of the press, as you know, but, but let's leave that aside. But the truth of the matter is that there is a, there is a generation that has got salvation that we're in, in diverse ways. Remember your own testimony. Your own testimony doesn't have to be that somebody came to a church and you answered an altar call. There are many people who get born again in these our services that when we preach like this and we put it out online, they get born again a year later. We may not know about them, but they will say, I heard a message. They heard, I heard a message since the day I heard that message and I've been troubled about it. Then they go to one town and then that day God says, today that you are here, that church that you hear singing next to you, go there and get born again. Go there and commit your life to Christ and let them start. There are many like that, many stories like that, many, many. So you just have to understand that you have a testimony and you have to share it. This woman in John chapter 4 verse 39, the Bible says she went on to the city. The Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me. Somebody say she testified. She testified, he told me all that I ever did. That was all her own testimony. She didn't talk about the rivers of living water. She didn't talk about the worship God in spirit and in truth. All that stuck to her, that gave her her salvation in believing in this man, was the fact that he told her all that she ever did. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans had come, with that one testimony, they followed her to go and meet the man. And when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Verse 41, let's read verse 41 together everywhere you are. And many more believed because of his own word. Starting with the woman's testimony, they came to Jesus directly. And when they got to Jesus, many more believed because now they can hear from Jesus themselves. This is what we must understand. If we are not sharing our testimonies, we are not giving people the opportunity to come to Jesus. Many people will follow you to God through a church, through an online program, through somewhere that Jesus can meet with them, apart from the witness that you are giving directly just by your testimony. This woman said to all the Samaritans, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Now, don't, don't forget, this was a woman that had a checkered history. 
I can imagine many cynical people say, oh, she has found another man. <laughs> let's, let's go and see the, the kind of man she has now. <laughs> I can imagine some people thinking that way about this woman because they know her. You can't be through five men in one city and people will not know you. You, you, you definitely have a history there. But this woman disregarded that. She knew that her life had changed. She said, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. And many more believed because of his own word. Then verse 42. They said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you said. For we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ. We know that this is indeed the Christ. The savior of the world. Many more believed. So if we want a supernatural overflow of souls, sharpen your testimony, package it very well, and just keep sharing as many people as you meet. And you ask them, do you know what it means to be born again? This is what it meant to me. This is what it happens to me. Leave the rest to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one that she did not pull anybody out of Samaria to go and meet Jesus Christ. He is the Holy Spirit after she spoke that dragged them to follow her to go and see Jesus. And when, she got, when they got there, the Bible says they heard his words and many more believed. Somebody says supernatural overflow. So that we can see how easy it is we can use our testimonies to win many more souls than we're ever doing. I'm not talking about the testimonies of, your, of the things that God is doing just yet. Just your salvation. Just your salvation. In fact, it is the first testimony that every believer should have. If a believer meets you and they say they have no testimony at all, they have not yet been born again. Because if you are born again, at least that is your testimony, number one. Before you can talk about whatever it is God has done in healing you and all that. Now, by the grace of God, I've enjoyed divine healing. I've enjoyed divine health and many things. And I thank God. But the basic thing, the most important testimony I have is the fact that Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. And that should be your most important testimony as well. Our salvation is as a result of hearing the testimony of many others many times. Many of us heard the testimony of saints, the ones who the Bible calls the saint ones. And we are also called to continue to spread that message. Look at Romans chapter 10. Because the salvation of others depend on us. Verse 13, thank you. Say, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Verse 14. Let's read verse 14 together. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Can you see the sequence? They can't call on the person they don't, they've not believed. You call because you believe. But then how will they believe if they have not heard about the person? The Bible says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So if they have not heard it, how can they believe? And if they cannot believe, how can they call? He said, but you see, the truth is, how can they hear without a preacher? Many people leave that last phrase to this assignment I'm doing now. To the pulpit ministers. They'll say, oh, it is the work of the preachers to preach. Which is true. But the reality is that we are all preachers. We are all testifiers of God's goodness as believers. We are all preachers because we have the message of salvation of our story. Our own testimony is our unique message. That is not like any other person's message. Verse 15. He said, how shall they preach also unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings who bring glad tidings of good things. 
it is important that we be people who continue to bring glad tidings of peace. Let your testimony be shared constantly. Make it a point of duty that every opportunity you have to share with people, you are sharing your faith. You are sharing not just your faith, not just what you believe, but what Christ did for you. If you truly have been born again, you will want others to experience it. If you truly have met Christ, you will want others to experience this life that is of a new creation indeed. This life whereby you have an assurance every day that you are no longer just living to die and not knowing what happens to you, but you have an assurance that one day you are going to be with your Lord and Master, your Lord and Savior. It keeps us all going, and it should be the portion of everybody that we meet as well. Keep making it a priority to be sharing your testimony of salvation. Hallelujah. So we enjoy supernatural overflow of souls by sharing our testimonies of salvation. Then number two, our testimonies must constantly be shared in the congregation of the righteous. Our testimonies must constantly be shared in the congregation of the righteous because this also encourages the righteous to go ahead and propagate, propagate the gospel the more. The gospel is simply the good news. I have said it is men that designed the gospel of uh, healing, the gospel of prosperity, the gospel. There is no need. The, the only one thing we need is the gospel, the good news. Everything is, in, is inside that. So when you say somebody come and say, I don't believe in the gospel of prosperity, that person does not believe in salvation because they are all together. They are all together. Healing. Say, I don't know why these Pentecostals talk about healing. I don't believe in healing. Doctors are the healers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you say, and you are born again. No, you cannot be born again and be believing like that. It all comes together. Thank God for doctors. I'm not undermining their work. Fantastic job they do. But the reality of the matter is that it is a full package. The gospel. We must understand that for us to be propagating the gospel, part of how we fuel our faith is by sharing our testimonies, both of salvation and the doings of God in our lives. Remember Psalm 103, he said, forget not all his benefits. He forgives your iniquity. That is a benefit. But at times, because we all know that we're born again, we may not necessarily be sharing that again and again and again within the congregation of the righteous, but then the additional doings, the additional doings, the, the, the deliverances, the things he is doing and he has done, and the things that he is doing consistently. Psalm 35, verse 18. He said, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Some other translation says in the assembly of the righteous. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among many people. I will. Somebody say, I will. We have a duty and a responsibility to share our testimonies in the congregation of the saints. We have a duty to always share with one another. This is why every week here we announce, if you have a testimony, send it to info, to uh, testimony at livegatecenter.org. And thank you to those of you who have been doing that. But you know something? We need to do it some more. We need to do it some more. If you want the gospel of God of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be propagated some more, you share what God is doing in your life to help the believers have more faith. I have more faith when I hear the doings of God in your life. I, you have more faith when you hear the doings of God in my life. Now, sadly, the sharing of testimonies has been, I would say, abused. And so many people 
have withdrawn completely from sharing testimonies because there have been cases where people share testimonies and instead of the believers who should rejoice with them, be rejoicing with them, they became envious. <laughs> and then you are now settling quarrel among... <laughs> you, you are now settling quarrel among two people. That, what happened? This is supposed to be an encouragement. So we all have to understand that, yes, these problems have been there, but they don't take the place of what God said we should do. Look at this man that was full of leprosy that met Christ in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 verse 12. The Bible says, And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Again, this is an encounter of salvation with a man who had leprosy in a different way. Christ reached this man through his leprosy. Verse 13. Then he put out his hand Verse 13, he put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. I am willing, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the evil one, including this leprosy. I am willing, be cleansed. And the Bible says, immediately the leprosy left him. Verse 13, verse 14. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest. Someone said, the congregation of the righteous. Say the congregation of the righteous. Make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Just as Moses commanded. Now, don't forget, Jesus came as a transition point from the Jewish customs to create this new entity called the church that he was building and he has now built. And every one of us must understand that for, for him to be commanding, that, for asking that they should do the things that Moses has commanded was helping them come out of their practices to this new form that he was bringing to them of salvation. He said, but you go as a testimony. Go and testify. Now, we know that the priest in the Old Testament was the person who had access to the Holy of Holies. But we know in 1 Peter 2.9 that we are a chosen generation. We are all a royal priesthood. We are a peculiar people and we are called to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Every one of us must understand that when Jesus talked in this context about go to the priest in the temple, he's saying in our context today, go to church. Go to church. He said, tell no one. Many people are blessed today. Many believers will pray inside church. They will get a, a blessing through the prayer of the saints and the, the togetherness and the things that God has done. Congregational prayers and so many things. Or just out of God's mercy. Maybe it was not even prayed about at all. And then they get the testimony. Now, instead of coming back to church to share the testimonies, they tell everybody else everywhere. See what God did for me. See what God did for me. Which may sound good because they are saying, at times they don't even put God. They just say, see what I've, I've been promoted. Uh, this has happened to me. Meanwhile, their brethren did not know that it has been happening. That is not right. Jesus said, you go to the priest as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Hallelujah. Verse 15. But look at how, again, supernatural overflow came by result of this man who went to the temple and to the priest to, to minister. Verse 15, he said, However, the report went round concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. How many believers have been healed? 
How many believers have been delivered? How many believers have been set free? How many believers have been protected? And yet they don't count it fit to testify of the doings of God in the congregation of the saints. Never let your brethren be denied of the doings of God in your life. As I've said, I am a very, very much aware that a lot of problems have happened because there have been mixed multitudes and there have been very, very many uh, immature believers who cannot just handle the success of others. Now, the truth is that we cannot because of that. I have, I have vowed that no human being will restrain me from saying the doings of God in my life for the sake of the gospel. No human being, because you are going to get envious, get envious, I'm sorry. But if God is doing it in my life and I want the believers to be sanctified by it, I want the believers to be encouraged by it, I will share it many times and many times over and over again. Now, while some people will say, oh, but that, does that not counter this, the, the verse that says that if you are going to eat one meat and it will make your brother stumble? That's not what he's talking about. That's not the kind of thing, because I've heard somebody say that before. <laughs> that, you know, he say, if you are going to eat one meat and it will make somebody stumble, so at times you hold some testimony so that if somebody does not stumble. No, he say, forget not his benefit. <laughs> that is the commandment. Forget not his benefit. So I pray, and you should pray, that nobody will feel envious or jealous of your testimony, but never ever stop testifying in the congregation of the saints. The Bible says, after he did that, many more people came to Christ so that they also can be healed. When we testify amongst ourselves, what it should do is that it should give us the encouragement to go ahead. One day I was in a church. I had just met, I had not even met my wife. This was 1991, 1990, 1990. I was a youth copper in Nigeria when you finish youth service. You, 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 when I finished my degree in that country, everybody that does their university degrees in that country, after they finish, they do one year compulsory if they were under 30. I don't know if they've changed that rule now, but if they are under 30, you serve the country in a place they put you for one year, and uh, you are kind of like government property in quote for that one year. So I was posted to a city called Zaria in northern Nigeria, and apparently that's where I eventually met my wife. But at this point, I had not met my wife. And uh, I was in a church. We just finished praise worship. You, this, this will sound funny to you. But this woman comes up and says, praise God. Today is my birthday. Tiny looking, very beautiful woman. If they told you that she was 28, you would believe. Today is my birthday and I'm 40. I said, what? How can, I, I didn't know her. Many people in the church before me knew her and they knew her age. I was stunned. I'd never seen a 40-year-old woman look so immaculate and sparkling. I said, Lord, this is what I want my wife to look like. <laughs> I was only 21, so you should forgive me. I said, when I marry, I want my wife at 40, 50 to still look fresh like this. Hallelujah. And I think God is answering my prayers. Amen. <laughs> He's answering my prayers since that very day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we have crossed 40 many, many years ago now. And thank God for that. Hallelujah. But what I'm saying now is that anything can encourage you. Somebody, somebody said here on, on uh, 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 watch night service that she remembered that I said there was a time my wife was given a job and uh, she, she did, they told her, they rang her that they, she didn't get it. And when I told her, when she told me and I said to her, if it is your job, they will call you again. I don't know what came over me. This is an NHS job. I don't know anybody. I don't know how they operate. But I just say, you know what, keep your mind at rest. If it is your job, they will call you again. And within 24 hours, 
They called my wife and said, somebody, they mentioned the name of the director. She doesn't know her. I don't know how she got her details. She said, she said to them that they must give her the job. I don't want to call the person's name. She's one of my wife's uh, contacts on Facebook, so I wouldn't want to embarrass her. But she's a big director in the NHS. This was the year 2004, three or four now. And they, 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 this happened like that. And uh, just last, last year, late last year, one of our sisters said she remembered that testimony. And the same thing happened to her. They, she called, she finished the interview, and she called me. She said they, they've just told her that she was not successful. For some, I don't say it all the time. It's not as if I just say it. For some strange reason, that same thing came to me. And I said, if, if it is your job, they will, they will give it to you. One month later, they rang her and said, please, are you still interested in this job? <laughs> she was shocked. So when she called me, I said, well, that is God for you. You hear one testimony, it can go a long way in encouraging you. You hear a testimony of something that God has ever done before. It is enough for you to know that he is able to reach you also. And he will surely do so in Jesus' name. So we must declare God's faithfulness of our to, uh, about our salvation to people. Then we must always declare it in the congregation. We must always declare God's doings in the congregation of the righteous. The third thing I'd like to say, which will be my final point on these matters, is that we must demonstrate our faith consistently through testimonies. Every time you are talking about the Lord's doing, it is a clear evidence that you have faith in God's doing. Every time. It's not just a giving up of your stories. Now listen, I know that when you give your testimonies, you will have people who are cynical. You have people who are cynical, either taking you to be proud or arrogant, they are taking you, or at times they even, they even undermine your testimony. Say, praise God, today my wedding turned three years. And then you see some of them look and say, three years. Look at this one, three years. <laughs> and we can't rest again. How about those of us that have been going for 30 years? What do you want us to do? <laughs> and I'm, I've seen that happen before. And this three-year-old a uh, lady, your marriage uh, uh, sister or brother in this marriage, we, we feel intimidated. They feel intimidated. We say, praise God. God just blessed me with a brand new job. And for the first time now, I can earn 1,000 pounds a month. <laughs> and they say, oh, look, 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 look. Is that, is that a testimony? <laughs> How about those of us earning 10,000 a month? <laughs> Believe me, I've seen all these kind of scenarios in the body of Christ. And this has made many people intimidated and they don't talk. Don't let people intimidate you. Don't let anybody intimidate you. Celebrate whatever God is doing in your life. You celebrate it. It is to his glory. Hallelujah. It is a demonstration that you have faith. Look at what happened. We read in Luke chapter 17. We read it from 11 to 19. Pastor Lola read us earlier on. But I want to quickly take it from verse 14. He says, so when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. These are the ten lepers. Go show yourselves to the priest. This is the third time we will share this thing today. <laughs> Brother Charles talked about it in Power Tower. It was read and we're talking about it again. So something must drop for you from this story today in Jesus' name. He said, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Somebody say, as they went, they were cleansed. Now they had started to, they had, they had started to be, they had been healed. They could now walk. So Jesus said, go show yourself again to the priests. Somebody say, go to the congregation and testify. 
That's basically what he's saying. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. When you step up to go give testimony, you demonstrate faith that puts you in a realm of an overflow, an encounter with more of the supernatural. Verse 15, this is why I said what I've said now. Verse 15, he said, so as they, as one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his feet, verse 16, giving thanks and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, we are there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? And I always say this, that every time Jesus says, where are the nine? It simply means the nine, he expected the nine to come back. He expected the ten to come back. One came back. And in verse 18, he said, where there are no any found who return to give God glory, except this foreigner. How many people in the body of Christ today are not returning to give God glory? If you keep, I've said this before and I'll say it again, if your focus is always on the future and the things you are expecting and the things you are waiting for, you will never be a good testifier. We have a problem with the power of our memory. Instead of using it very powerfully, this brain can remember things. It can remember things. This is why I was saying, I was saying to some of our youngsters at home in the course of the week that, have you noticed that if you, are, if you travel on a bus or a train regularly, or you go to a particular place, maybe you work in a restaurant or something, and a particular music is playing over and over and over and over and over every day. After one month, do you know that without that music, you yourself will be singing the music? Have you noticed that? You did not learn it, you didn't write it down. Because your brain is like that. It's, 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 it's built by God to retain things. That's how you know how to walk and stand and do this. So right from childhood, your brain can magnetize things. And that is how powerful it can be in terms of our memory. But you see, we have the same power to expunge of our memory those things that are negative. That's why Paul said, the things that are good, the things that are of a good report, think on these things. Philippians 4.8. Don't think of evil. Don't, many of us have more capacity, are using our capacity of memory to remember our hurts, our pains, our disappointments, our fallings much more, or the things that people have done to us, much more than remembering the doings of God. And it is the same power, the same retentive memory power that God says, use it to keep remembering what I have done for you and keep declaring it. He said, were there not ten clans? Why is it that only one? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? And verse 19, he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Somebody say overflow. Some translation says your faith has made you whole. He got the full package by going back to say thank you, Lord. By going back to testify. I want every one of us to understand this, that we have a duty to continue to perfect our testimonies as we testify. When David faced Goliath, the most important tool that was in his hand was the victory he had over the bear the victory he had over the lion. When Saul said, you are a youth, this guy has been fighting from his youth, just to intimidate, try to intimidate David. The Bible says, David said, your servant, he was still speaking very humbly, said, your servant was with the sheep, and suddenly a lion came, and I took it by the mouth, and I tore it. And the bear came after some time, and to attack the sheep, and I took it also, and I, I, I overcame it. He said, the God who gave me the lion and the bear, 
He will surely deliver this into my hand. This is what your testimonies must always do. Let it always demonstrate your faith. Look at your life today. You are not where you may be expecting to be, but you are surely not where you used to be. Every one of us, I look at this church today, I listen to our production online, and I was just thankful to God in the course of the week. Really just thankful. The sound quality, the picture quality. I looked at just about 20 months ago. I couldn't believe that it's the same church. <laughs> I couldn't believe. It was very different. The, the, the quality was so poor. But you know how I used to celebrate those days? Those of you who are here will remember. I talked about it as if that was the best thing. Just like I'm talking now. As if this is the best thing we will ever have. No, it's not because this is the best. It's because God is moving us further. God is moving us higher. You must continue to celebrate and thank God. Many people just forget. They forget. There are many people in our day and age today that God has done things for within the body of Christ. And they just, they get to a point, they just forget and throw it away. I see many people who have been blessed, who never, who were, who were struggling to get into something professional, something good, and then God now gives them something, and then suddenly they forget where they are coming from. They forget. Many people waiting for the fruit of the womb, and we wait with them one year, two years, three years, ten years, fifteen years, and then the child comes, and then they forget. They forget. Many people we pray, Lord, this sister is, 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 is getting advanced. You know what I mean by that? She's getting advanced. She's getting advanced. And then suddenly, God brings somebody, wonderful brother. They get married. And then they forget. They forget. They start fighting everybody. They become arrogant. I've seen it over and over. That shall not be your portion in Jesus' name. Every doing of God should keep you more humble. The more you go up in life, the more you should go down. In terms of your pride, the more you go up in status in life, the more pride should be going down, down, down. Because every opportunity God gives you to advance in this life must be used okay. The life of a pastor is very exhilarating. I have done, I, I, as because I'm involved in many things in life, I have done things that can be very scary. Asking people to remove scaffolds from buildings you have designed and you weren't quite sure because there were so many factors that went in. And you are just hopeful that nothing is going to come down and everything will stay where it is. And by the grace of God, over and over, God is given victory. Those kind of things, they're very different. But you see, the life of a pastor, that's something else. Today, you are celebrating with somebody the birth of a new child. So beautiful. You are so full of joy. Tomorrow, you, are, you have to be comforting somebody else who has just lost a loved one and is so dear to them. And you are there again having to talk with them and comfort them. Then after tomorrow, you are trying to manage something else between two people that, you know, was going okay and suddenly there's a problem. And all these kind of things will be happening around you. If care is not taken, you will not find reasons to be grateful to God. Because there are too many things happening around you at the same time. You have to always remember, in all things, you must be giving thanks. Give God thanks consistently. And I know that he will surely do you well. In the name of Jesus. A little over a week ago, on the 16th of January, I posted something on Facebook. As I was reminded very early hours of that day, that it was 25 years exactly on that day. That was a month after my wedding. My wedding was December 16, 95, and this was January 16, 1996. That my life would have been cut short. My life would have ended. My, my darling wife would have become a widow at just one month after wedding. But God decided to make sure that that was not going to be the case. One of the closest shaves I've ever had to death. 
On the 15th of January, one of the brethren who was in that car came to meet me and he said, Brother Dave, this was a meeting, supposed to be a meeting of the Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship presidents, and I was just made a president, a chapter president in our state at that time in northern Nigeria. And uh, the brother came to me and said, Brother Dave, you should have gone on this journey with us. We should have been four going from this state because we are four chapter presidents. But because you have just married a wife, this was what he said to me. We sat together in my car. He was sat next to me like that. And then he gave me some money for my chapter. He said, but next time, I'll make sure you go. But as if he knew that that was the last time we'd see each other. He gave me 1,500 naira, which in 1996 would probably be about 750 to about 1,000 pounds in today's money. And he gave it to me and he said, for the sake of your chapter, because I know you will need some money to get the hall and get things started well. And I thanked him. I said, when you come back, we will talk more about how we can work out the new things. Because I was fresh in the job. I didn't know that that was the last time I would see my friend. This was about 1 p.m. on January 15th. By 8 a.m., January 16th, my friend and two other friends were dead. This was a big shock for me. I was barely 27 years old, just starting out life. And I realized that God delivered me for a day such as this. I testify of this thing almost every crossover night. There are many other shades with death, many other shades. In 2000, I was coming to this country on September 3rd to move away from Nigeria and to come here, to land here September 4th. Just a week before, late August, the last Sunday in August, I took my wife and my little son, saw somebody off to the airport, to, which was about 170 kilometers away from where we lived. And uh, we dropped them off. They were also coming to England. And I said, when, we, when I cross over next week, I'll give you a ring. And we waved them bye-bye. They took a KLM flight, and they left. On our way back home, just very, very unusual thing. I was driving. My wife was here. And those days, we didn't have car seats or seat belts. She was holding her son just by herself. And uh, this was 2000, August 2000. And suddenly, suddenly, I just heard my wife. She calls me Tammy. I call her Tammy. I just heard from faint distance, Tammy, Tammy, Tammy. I didn't know how I fell asleep. We were talking. Everything was going okay. And here was this bridge, the last bridge to the town in Katsina where we lived. We were talking. And suddenly, when I heard her voice, the very second I could swerve was the last one. If I didn't swerve, we were going straight for the, for, the, for the river by the side of the bridge. Straight. The car would have just gone right into it, and only God knows what would have happened then. I mean, no seatbelts were on. This was the year 2000. No seatbelts were on. Lovely car and everything. It does, it's supposed to have uh, airbags at that point, but I, I doubt if it worked. <laughs> you know, but the reality is that just that minute, God made sure she was alert. How I fell asleep, I don't know. But these are the things that God saved me from. And over the years, I look at those things, and every time I stand to be able to share like this, I remember that it is because of a day like this. What has God done in your life that you are keeping? What is he doing right now that you are keeping? It is time for you to continue to testify. You want to experience supernatural overflows? One of the reasons why I believe God continues to help me to be divinely protected is because I never stop talking about those things. 
Many of you who have been around us here, hear us talk about how we got this building, how we got this building. We've never stopped talking about it because it was a miracle. Many believers today take a lot of things for granted. We just think that it is something we know how. Let us not let that become our story. Let us become a testifying church. Now, we don't do like many people will do and make a, a show of it, but just write it down. Just say it. On some days, we allow to people to come to the stage to say it. Come on those days. Or if not, every Sunday, don't say, I will wait till the end of the month. Write your testimony today. You have a testimony last week. Somebody, four people in your group tested positive. They tested all of you. You are not positive. And you don't testify. You don't testify. You think you have something else. You are divinely protected. Testify, testify, testify. Say, God has protected me. Stop keeping and hoarding the doings of God. You didn't have a job. You got a job now. You have income. You don't testify. You think it's your right? Testify. Many people have lost their jobs in this one year. Yours is still there. Testify. 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 You and I have no right to anything. Whatever he has done, he's given us out of his mercies, out of his grace. Never stop testifying. Rise to your feet and let's talk to God today. Testify.